Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. But before we do, I want to um, take just a moment, and I'd like for you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. From John 16, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Mark was just an ordinary guy in his mid-twenties, single guy living in Charlotte. He had a pretty good job, software developer. He liked cycling, reading books. He had a cat. He loved God. He wanted his faith to grow. But Mark had a significant problem. And that problem was he was terrified of going to church. When I met Mark, he had not been in a church building in several years since he'd moved to the Charlotte area. He wanted to go. He recognized that he should go. He felt like he needed to go. He felt guilty about not going. He felt convicted. But he could not get up the strength or the courage that he needed to set foot inside a church door. He felt dread when he was thought about going to church. And he felt troubled. Uh, he didn't feel like he would be welcomed or accepted. He had anxiety and concern about going and um, being asked to shake hands with people during the interlude to the first song. And he had... <laughs> difficulty um, with the idea that he might be recognized as a, mem- as a newcomer or a first-time visitor, and he didn't want to, he had a fear about interacting with people who he didn't know, and so on Sunday mornings he would often get up and get himself ready and showered and dressed, and he would go to go outside to get into his car to, to drive to church, and he could not even get himself outside of, of his own front door. He would be frozen, paralyzed. Sunday mornings became a place of terror and dread and guilt and conviction for Mark. Now we've been doing this series titled Life Doesn't Have to Be Scary. We've been doing a series titled Life Does Not Have to Be Scary. There's a lot of reasons in this world, in this country, for fear if we allow ourselves to have it, to indulge in it. I was looking up a survey that was done last year, the top fears among people in the United States. And some of these, I have to admit, they're concerns of mine as well. The number one fear in 2020 in the United States was listed as corrupt government officials. Number one fear. The list also included things like that we can all um, identify with to some degree like a family member or somebody I love becoming seriously ill or dying. 
the, the use of nuclear weapons or another world war. Pollution. Not having enough money for the future. Or economic or financial collapse. These things are serious issues in the world that we have. And they're also serious things that we have concern about. I mean, I think it's reasonable to have some fear about our financial future or the stability of the economy or the way that our government officials make use of the system. Now, as an aside, I would suggest that maybe some of these fears get stirred up a little bit more in us than they should because of our interaction with social media or watching the news or reading the papers. That's, those are industries that thrive on fear, our fear. But, you know, that notwithstanding, life is scary sometimes. It is. There are things in this world that are dangerous, that are risky. And we have in wisdom to reckon with that. But we have something, an assurance that people without Christ don't have. And that comes from the scripture that I just read. John 16, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. And it's interesting, the word tribulation there, it means a state of great trouble or suffering. Christ is saying to his disciples, to his followers, you will have a state of great suffering and trouble. You will. He's not saying you'll be shielded from that or that we will. But he's saying, ultimately though, I am the conqueror of those things. Whatever your trouble is, whatever the suffering is, I will conquer, I will overcome. And so this is not a promise to have a trouble-free life, but it's a reminder that Christ ultimately is victorious, even when he looks like there may be defeat or that he may be apathetic or uninvolved at times. And so we've been thinking about this for the past month or so. Life doesn't have to be scary. The world, uh, money, relationships, the devil. And now we want to look at one other area that doesn't have to be scary. And my daughter alluded to this just a moment ago, loudly. Church also doesn't have to be scary. She stole my thunder a little bit, jumped the gun. And we found out this morning already that church not only doesn't have to be scary, but it also can be fun and funny, and we can have humor in it, and that's a good thing. That's part of what God has created us for. The man I was telling you about earlier, Mark, he had some very specific reasons for being afraid of church, but he's not the only one who has fear about church, and those, his reasons are not the only reasons. Uh, that people face when they're considering coming to church or being in church. Sometimes just showing up to church is an exercise in devotion, and it's very difficult to engage, and it feels risky even to be here. And I would, I would acknowledge that. I would say that is a real thing. It's not relegated just to a few people here and there. It can be a pretty significant problem. In fact, we see a decline in our country of people attending church for various reasons. Now, the idea of church is a good thing, right? What, what is a church supposed to be? It's supposed to be this loving community of people 
We're all children of God. We're all walking in the faith. We have love for each other. We encourage one another in faith and hope and love. Right? That's kind of the ideal. And we would say that that would be good. But we also know the reality is that the church is full of people. (laughs) And anytime you have people, what do you have? You got problems. You got messes. You've got conflict. Why? Because that's just the nature of humanity in this state in the world. Church is a place where there are people who are imperfect. The person who's up here on the platform every week, whether it's doing the music or delivering the message. Sorry to throw you under the bus, Pastor Scott. We're imperfect, right? Our life, our lives are sometimes messy. And we make mistakes, just like all people do. And so anytime people are in relationship with one another, there's hurt. It's not really avoidable. In fact, sadly, but I don't know how it can be any other way, the people who you are closest to, the people that you care the most for and who care the most for you, are the people with the greatest power to hurt. The greatest power to hurt. And so in some ways, inviting people into a community with flawed individuals and saying, come, let's, let's get close. Let's build community. Let's have relationship. In some way, you're saying, come, let's hurt each other a little bit. Not that that's the goal, you understand, of course. But we're saying that is what happens in virtue of being together. It will happen. Now, fortunately, that's not the whole story. There's a lot of good things, right? Relationships can bring a lot of good things. But it is part of what we're signing up for, that there's going to be friction and tension. Sometimes there's going to be anger. Sometimes there's going to be pain. So that's what we're inviting. That's what I'm inviting you to. You have the invitation. (laughs) And that's in some way what we're inviting anyone to when we say, come to church. Be part of a church. There's a lot of things about church that can be difficult. A few of them. We're increasingly aware of the ways in which church leadership can be hurtful. We uh, recently... There was a a podcast that made a pretty big splash called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And it outlined the way in which this church rose to prominence and then some of the really destructive ways that the leadership was hurtful toward people. And that's just one example. That's a case study. There are a lot of people who have been really, really hurt by churches, really hurt by church leadership. And I would say that those people have really good reasons for thinking church is a scary place. A really scary place. Some people cite not feeling welcomed by the congregation. You know, coming into a church and and there's this, this distance. Some people cite the sermon not being, let's see, how did they put it? Uh, not enjoying the sermon or not liking the sermon. Now, you can interpret that in a lot of ways, right? 
You could say, well, you know, people come in, they hear a sermon, they get convicted. They don't like that. Or they come in and they hear the sermon, they get lulled to sleep. And maybe that's why they don't like that either. So, you know, take some responsibility for that as pastors. People don't like feeling judged. Sometimes people come into a church and don't like feeling judged. When sometimes when there's an effort to help people to lean into the holiness and righteousness that God asks of us, that can turn into feeling judged or condemned when we inevitably fail and fall short. Because we always will. We'll always make mistakes. Some people have a different kind of relationship, Corey, with the felt baggy. And they dislike the idea of being asked for money whenever, whenever they come into church. And that can be off-putting. And then, of course, you know, just encountering people and what that means. So these are all reasons that people have for feeling like and believing that church is scary or can be a scary place or a place that isn't really safe. But we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity in this place to create a place that is safe. The, the, the image, or excuse me, the vision of Lakeshore Christian Fellowship, one of the things that is uh, part of the mission and the vision is that Lakeshore would be an oasis. An oasis is a place that you go that is lush and rich and safe where there is bounty and there is plenty to refresh in the midst of a harsh environment. And that's what we're invited to create here, an oasis. In fact, I think, I think it's even more, I would word it even more strongly than that. That this is what we are called to be. That Lakeshore is called to be an oasis. That it is becoming an oasis. A place that is safe. And we all get to participate in that. And I would say that part of the way that we do that is do we understand what church really is for. And we begin to engage with it in a way that is fitting in that understanding of what it is for. So I want to share with you, in the time that we have left, I want to share with you four things that church is for and an action step that each of you can take. Something simple that you can do uh, as a function of what the church is for. So the first thing, what is church for? Well, the church is here for you to grow. For you to grow in relationship with God and in relationship with other people. Community. It's a community of faith, right? So for you to grow in relationship with God and with other people, listen to one of the earliest descriptions of what was becoming a church in Acts 2, 41 through 46. So then those who had received his word were baptized And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So this first initial adding of people into a community of faith after the ascension of Christ. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What was going on? They were being taught God's word. They were having fellowship with each other. They were spending time with each other, hanging out, getting to know each other. And the breaking of bread, they were having meals together, right? If you really want to get to know somebody, have a meal with them. You'll find out maybe some things you didn't want to know. (laughs) And they were praying together. In other words, they were involved in ministry. They were praying for one another. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. What a remarkable description. They were sharing their lives. Those who had were giving to those who had need. Not just financially, but in ministry, in compassion, in care for each other. They were tending to each other and creating a community. Now, the Bible does not uh, brush aside the fact that there was conflict. It wasn't just all like, you know, everybody singing kumbaya or, you know, the, it, wasn't, it wasn't just all roses and peaches, right? There was conflict. There were disagreements. There was falling out between leaders. And the Bible doesn't, does not shy away from that or downplay it. Because relationships are messy. And they require grace and forgiveness and empathy and understanding and communication. And these are all things that God extends to us as well. And he says, as I extend these to you, you in turn extend them to one another. And it's in the context of these relationships with God and with other people that we grow. As iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another, right? Read that in your office this morning, Pastor Scott. Iron sharpens iron. And so the action step that I would invite you to today in the growth area is to participate, to engage. Now, some of you are extroverts, and you love people, and you can just like get together with people and just like blend in and create a little mini party everywhere you go. And for you, what you might have to do is you might have to figure out how to lean in a little bit more to your relationship with God, where it requires some solitude and some stepping away from that natural place. And then other, others of you are more like introverts. And the part of the service where you get up and you shake hands just causes a little death inside every week. <laughs> and so that's maybe a call for you to get out of that comfort zone a little bit and stretch and continue to develop relationships. But participate. Allow yourself to engage. Take a chance with the people around you. Take a, take a chance rooted in wisdom. 
Not that you would just give yourself away to anyone, but that you would find someone that you think you can trust a little bit and lean in, take a little step, participate. Number two, the church is for getting alignment with God, God's will. Colossians 1, 9 through 10, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him on all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Church is a place where we come into alignment with God's will. And what does that mean exactly? Well, there's God's will for all of us that is relatively straightforward. It's to do those things that are good, right? Those things that are good and true and upright. We, we might call this his moral will. And it's pretty much the same for all of us, that we love one another, that we care for each other, that we are honest, that we do the things that are right in the world. And how do we know that? Well, we read our Bibles, right? We listen to the sermon. We uh, engage with other people. Bible, small groups. But sometimes God speaks to us more directly. You know, that, that's been happening here at Lakeshore Catawba more and more recently. God's been giving specific words to people. He's been speaking very specifically to people in a variety of different ways. This morning, in prayer, Corey gave me a word from the Lord and invited me to step forward in a way that it helped me to be more in alignment with God's will. And I was grateful for that. And sometimes God does this in spite of the fact that this is a relatively new idea in the history of the church, that we would all have access to this. But more than that, the church is a place that we hear and we're guided by God in all kinds of ways. And some of them are really subtle. Like you may just hear the need of another member of the congregation. No message in the heavens, no direct word from God, no certain particular scripture, but there's something about that that just draws you and you feel compelled to align with God's will in that area, meeting that need. You may talk with friends here or with other members of the congregation and get ideas about your business or about family or spiritual practices. Those are all ways that we get alignment with God's will in the context of the church. Ways that we partner with God in what he's doing. Sometimes it just requires us to pay attention. Just kind of pay attention. How is God moving? How's he moving in this church, in my family, in this neighborhood, in this community? So the action step that goes along with aligning, uh, uh, getting alignment with God's will is listen. Listen. There's a way of listening that's about directing our focus towards what's outside of ourselves. And that stands in contrast to what most of us listen for. Not, it's not condemnation. It's just kind of how we're built. We often listen for, what does this mean for me? Sometimes even more directly, we listen for the break in what somebody else is saying 
so that we can jump in and have our turn, right? We're only listening for the empty space that we can fill it with ourselves. But I'm inviting you to listen in a different way. Listen to the sermons, of course, but listen to wise counsel. Listen for God's direction and guidance. Listen for a sensitivity to develop in you to begin to see what God is doing and partner with Him in it. Number three, church is a place to give. Give of yourself to God and give of yourself to others. This is a little bit different than the first one, grow, where you're in relationship. This is more about ministry. Romans 12, 3 through 8 says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And that list is not exhaustive. There's all kinds of other ways that we have gifts and that we have talents to bring. And the point is, yours and mine are different. And that's okay. It should be that way. What you have to bring is not what I have to bring. But make no mistake, just because you don't bring what I bring, or what Pastor Scott or Pastor Heather brings, or the person sitting on the, in the chair next to you, just because you don't bring what they bring doesn't mean that you don't have anything to bring. Everyone in here has something to bring. Every one of us. I don't know what your way is. I don't know what the thing is that you have to bring. Although I'll stand by the back doors and I'll give you an assignment on the way out if you want. Based on what I think. Just kidding, I'm not going to do that. Um, But what can you do? Because we all can do something. Can you pray? Maybe you can teach. We probably need more good teachers. Maybe you are an encourager. Maybe you can work with kids. Maybe you can help shepherd adults who probably need just as much care and guidance as the kids do. Maybe you can change the words on the screen or adjust the sound or play an instrument or just say hello to people when they walk in the door. But we all have something to bring, every single one of us. And so the action for this step is engage. Engage in ministry. Whatever you're doing here in this place, it's ministry. Now, I'm not saying, hey, everybody go full time. You know, give up your job and come in and serve at the church. No, just what are the little things that you, that you can do? And if you wonder and you're not sure, ask somebody. Ask Pastor Scott. Ask one of your friends, what, what am I good at? What do you see in me? Your friends will know. They're much kinder. And they see you much more positively than you even think. And they see things in you that you have a hard time seeing in yourself. 
And it doesn't have to be hard or complicated. And you don't have to be a professional. In fact, there's a pretty simple strategy for how to engage in ministry. And it goes like this. First of all, I do a ministry and you just watch. Just watch. Just be there. And then after you've done that for a little while, then we do it together. Side by side. And then after we do that for a little while, then you do it and I watch. And then all of a sudden we're doing it together all the time. It's really quite straightforward. And so if you're trying to figure out where is your ministry, where do you fit in, start just by showing up someplace and just watching. Just hang out with whoever's doing what they're doing. Ask them questions. What is this like? What is this about? I'm trying to see if this is a fit. You're not committing to a lifetime of servitude to the church. (laughs) Sometimes it's just a matter of 15 minutes early. Sometimes that's all it takes. Number four, go. Go into the world to make disciples. This is what the church is for. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the primary work of the kingdom. It's really ultimately what church is about in the big picture. Now, I know it is really out of fashion these days to share your faith and proselytize and evangelize, and, and you, you know, people think that it's somehow imposing your will or you're forcing your will on other people or that kind of thing. But anytime you voice your opinion on anything, you have the opportunity to have influence. And so that's just a way for people to be able to step outside of the comfort or step into the comfort of not having to to deal with the truth of the gospel. We have a chance to impact the world. And the great thing is, you and me, we don't have to do it ourselves. We don't have to do it all, of our, all on our own. We have the church, right? That's what we're talking about, being part of the church. This is what the church is for. So the action step here is just really simple. And I'm, I'm trying to, I, see, I'm a big believer in How do you take the smallest change possible and just do that in a way that's going to create some kind of big result, right? So just a lot of little small changes. So the action step here is just invite somebody. Just make an invitation. doesn't have to be complicated, just a small invitation. For example, you go out to coffee with your friend. You remember during the course of that conversation that somebody prayed for you at church and that it was meaningful. And so you just tell your friend what happened. Oh, you know, I was at at church the other day and I was really struggling with this and -and so-and-so prayed for me. And you know what? I didn't know exactly how that problem was going to get solved, but I felt a little bit better. 
And then it turned out that this happened or that happened. You know, I'd love to have you come to church with me sometime if you're interested. That's it. (laughs) No pitching of like a salvation message right there in Starbucks, you know, where you're getting down on your knees in the middle of the Starbucks and like leading people in the sinner's prayer. It doesn't have to be like that. Just a real simple invitation. And we do this all the time with other things, right? Hey, we should go, we should go grab a cup of coffee. See, that, I mean, that's easy. Hey, you, why don't you come to church with me on a Sunday? And they might say, yeah, I should do that sometime. Great, how about Sunday? Well, you know, this Sunday is, you know, and they'll give an excuse. No problem. Whenever you got a chance, I'll be happy to take you or go with you. That's it. No hounding, no harassing, no fear or scariness. Right? Church doesn't have to be scary. So as we close today, I want to follow up on my... um, I want to follow up on my story about Mark. Mark did eventually make it to church, I'm happy to say. Some of you will be unsurprised to hear that a young woman was at least in part responsible for this. (laughs) He met a young lady named Samantha, and he wanted to be able to attend church with her and her family, and that helped get over some of the hump for him. That wasn't the only thing. And it didn't erase all of the things that he was worried about and scared about. But he just needed somebody that was welcoming and was warm and was safe to help him make that step. And we can be that. We can be that. We can create this to be a place of safety. A place where people grow. A place where we find alignment with God's will. A place where we're able to give of ourselves and those things that lead us out into the world to make disciples. And that's what I would invite you today. Where church can be much, much less scary. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your presence here this morning. We thank you that this is a place that is in many ways safe and is becoming safe safer safer for people to come and to open up to be vulnerable that requires risk it requires a place that is safe it's not to be done lightly or haphazardly but as we open ourselves up to you and to this community we learn how to navigate through the bumps and the scrapes And we find a place that is an oasis here. Thank you, Father, for the work that you are doing here at Lake Shore Catawba to create a safe and warm church. A community where we love and are loved. Where our faith rises. And we have hope to face whatever tribulation is out there. Thank you, Father. Stir us, grow us, shape us to become these people who can create and live in and dwell in 
this place of safety. We thank you. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com. Thank you.